Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hi, church. Open your Bibles to the book of 2 Peter. If you don't have a traditional Bible anywhere near you, you can actually open up the YouVersion app or what I call the Bible app. And all of the notes and all the scripture is going to be uploaded already there for you. I remember the first time I came to Life Church. It was actually in February, and we were coming from San Diego to Wisconsin. So it was cold. Uh, and so we had not enough jackets on. And I remember there was this moment where Pastor Sean and Sonny said, Hey, just go walk around the lobby. Check, it, check out the church. And so we're walking around, and from that first visit, I knew this was the church for me. Like, because we were doing things here that were so simple, yet so powerful. For example, before coming to Life Church, I never saw volunteers who their job was just to high-five people when they're coming in. I mean, I love that. And it's something so simple, but it's so powerful. And I remember, and I'm not kidding, I actually did this. I love this experience so much that I actually started like behind those people, high-fiving people too. And I remember people were like confused, like, who is this person? Why are we getting another high-five? And my wife Shelby was like, what are you doing? Knock it off. Another thing I loved about our church is how we simplified the word Christian to Jesus person. I mean, even though Christian means Christ follower, something has happened in our society where we really know, we don't look at Christianity that way. We look at it as a set of rules and we look at it as a title and it's really not a relationship. So now we, we call ourselves Jesus people and we break it down so simply. I mean, I'm a Jesus person. My whole life revolves around learning and living with Jesus at the center of it all. To me, I'm not a person without Jesus. I live for him, and in turn, he has helped me to be a better person, a better husband, a better father, a better friend, and a better pastor. So I'm excited that we've been doing this series called Becoming Jesus People, and I love that I get to be a part of week five of it. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that you give me opportunity to speak your word, to help us become better Jesus people. So Lord, I pray you be with this message today. Be with the words, be with what is you've put on my heart and really help me as I was studying this. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 5. And I love that last week Pastor Sean kind of highlighted on the scripture and how it went with the fruit of the Spirit. And so I'm going to actually be reading out the New Living Translations, and it says this, In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promise. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, 
and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more we grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as a husband and a father, I have found myself to be the person that does a couple things in the house. First thing I do is I'm the tallest person, so I grab for things on the top of the shelf. I live with a lot of short people right now. And the other thing I do is I install things. And I have no problem with this. I mean, I love it. I have so much pride in building stuff, especially when it's finished, because I can step back and say like, I built that. I mean, this was nothing, and I made it something. I mean, I could hear all the builders right now. You're just grunting and like, you're pounding your chest. You're like, yeah, but I think I'm gonna lose some of you guys because when it comes to building stuff or installing furniture, I like to do it by the book and I do it step by step. And I know you're shaking your head right now. I, I've lost respect from some of you, but I love it this way. In fact, there was a time that Shelby was like, oh, I think I know where this goes. I was like, ah, I'm on step three. That might be a step four or five, and I'm not there yet. And I love it like this, because I know when I do it step by step by step, I'm gonna put the right screws where they need to go, I'm putting the right boards where they need to go, nothing's gonna be backwards, and I can just step back and know that the thing I made is perfect. So we see Peter do something very similar in these three verses that some people have called the ladder of faith because it isn't instructing us just to have a relationship with Jesus, but to grow in our relationship. And it gives us a step-by-step to really grow as Jesus people. So if you're taking notes, there are eight things that Peter writes that when done step-by-step are qualities that are really needed in order to live a truly Jesus-centered life. So if you're taking notes, number one is this faith. Verse 5 of 2 Peter says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. And what Peter is talking about is what he wrote in the previous two verses. And and that was verse 3 and 4 where it says that God has given us power, that he's given us everything we need to live, that he will give us the power to overcome temptations. So Peter is saying, take those qualities as hard as it is maybe to understand that God's given us power and run with it. I mean, that's faith. And Hebrews 11:1 1 says it perfectly. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it's the evidence of things we can't see. And so really, faith is the number one thing we need to do to grow as Jesus people. It's the first step because really it's the essential step. This is how we become Jesus people, because we got to a point where we welcome Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, even though we haven't seen him. We took what people have said in the Bible, that Jesus lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross and rose again. We're taking all those things, even though we haven't seen it, and we're taking a step of faith and saying, I accept that. And that's how we start our Jesus journey, is through faith. And it's number one, but Peter shows us it's not the only one. In verse 5, it actually says to supplement your faith, meaning you need to add to your faith. So for us to grow in our Jesus journey, we need to take our faith and add other things. Like number two, we need to add to our faith goodness. 
Moral excellence is what the New Living Translation says, but moral excellence is the desire to do good for others. It's to walk in goodness and to grow in character. James 2.17 says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So faith is important, but a live faith will produce, meaning it will bring out of you good deeds. And it's easy to get those twisted, I, I, and I've seen people get them twisted. In fact, we see in the book of James, they have to talk about this, where people will try to do goodness to get faith. But that just makes us good people and not Jesus people. And what's the difference? Well, our goodness can get us so far. I mean, we could try to produce our own goodness, but God's goodness is unlimited. I mean, Psalm 31, 19 says it. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. And fear means not afraid. Fear means to be in reverence, to be in awe. And he says, I have a lot of goodness for you. And so we need to take our faith and allow our faith to motivate the goodness out of us, not by our goodness, but his goodness and showing his goodness through us. And then we take that goodness and we go to the next part, which is knowledge. Now, knowledge is so important because it gives substance to our faith, but it also brings motivation to our goodness. As Jesus people, it's so important that we're growing in knowledge of God. So when it comes to knowledge, it's important to know that studying God's word is so important, not just reading it. I was that person. I would get the Bible and I'd read it and I'd just check it off. I read, I read a chapter, I read a chapter, but I wasn't really understanding. I was just trying to get through it. God doesn't want us just to get through it. He wants us to understand it. So for some of you, it might just be one verse and that's fine, but do you understand it? Another thing we need to do when it comes to knowledge is ask questions. And we shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed of this. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Jesus person or how little you've been a Jesus person. I mean, I've been a Jesus person for over 20 years and I still ask questions. I ask questions about this message. I mean, I'm constantly, because I don't want to walk in ignorance or I don't want to walk in assumptions. I want to know what the scripture means, what God's word means with the history in the context. That's so important. Also, when it comes to knowledge, it's good that we, we are listening to other avenues of God's knowledge by you know, maybe reading Jesus-centered books or listening to teachings of the Bible or other sermons. I mean, these are all ways for us to grow in our knowledge of God because when we have knowledge of God, it'll help us with our goodness of God, which will help us our faith in God. Are you seeing the connection? And then James 1.19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, this scripture isn't just only instructing us how to treat others but it actually is talking about how we should hear God's word. Because in this context, they didn't have a whole bunch of Bibles they passed out. They would hear from one scroll. And so the command is saying, be quick to listen and to be eager to hear and obey God's message. And then to be slow to speak the man's to silence so that you understand and apply the message. And then the challenge to be slow to become angry means don't be bitter or don't get offended. That if it doesn't make sense to you, or if you, you're like, why does it say that? Again, ask questions. Why? Because God wants us to be motivated by the knowledge of him. And it's so important that we position ourselves to gain knowledge about God. So we start our faith, and then we allow our faith to produce goodness. And through us, that goodness will cause us to strive for knowledge. 
And then our knowledge will motivate us to number four, self-control. I mean, again, it's starting to make sense why Peter is putting these certain qualities in order. I mean, for me, it totally makes sense to have self-control in things because now I have strived for knowledge of God. So that means I've gone to his word and I see what he wants for me. And I also begin to see what I need to flee from because I know that it will harm me or it will not help me on my journey. But when I first became a Jesus person, I actually had this out of order. I mean, I went from faith right to self-control. So I was a person who was going, okay, now I'm a Jesus person, so I have to stop doing things. And this just led to me messing up. And my Jesus journey started off with guilt and shame. And it wasn't until my sixth or eighth response to salvation, which is true. I mean, I was so guilt-ridden that I would just raise my hand again and go, okay, I need to give my life to Jesus because the first time I did it wasn't right and the second time wasn't right. And I was at a church where you actually would physically go up to the front of the stage for altar time. And there was a man who came and prayed over me. And I didn't know this man, but you could tell God was using him because he came to me and he said, hey, I want you to know that Romans 8.1 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That helped me a ton because knowing the knowledge of that verse was life-changing. Wait a minute, I'm in Christ Jesus. I shouldn't be condemning myself. I, sh I mean, again, not that I'm looking over the sins and the bad choice I made. Conviction is good, but condemnation is not. So that scripture may go, what other scriptures am I not looking at? What other promises are, does God have for me that I don't see? And when I started to do that, when I had knowledge in my life, self-control began to be a little easier and easier. And I was finding myself not struggling with things that I did before because I had God's word to motivate me. So, and then again, God, when it comes to self-control, he's not asking you to do it on your own. I mean, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So even when we're dealing with self-control, God's saying, I'm here with you and I want to help you. And we'll strive because of the knowledge we have and the goodness and the goodness we have because of our commitment to faith. You see how these are starting to connect? I love this scripture so much now. So after self-control, we go to the fifth quality of growth, and that's patient endurance. And I love it because it's given us the ability and strength to overcome our desires. So God has given us strength when we're just going through hard times. And that endurance is the ability to get through it. And I found the best way to have endurance is through his presence. Philippians 4 says it in verse 6, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So when we're going through a difficult time, and we all will, I mean, difficult times will come, and we need to understand as Jesus people, the first thing we should do is press in, and the last thing we should do is check out. And I know that's easy. I mean, as humans, when things are tough, we want to check out. I naturally want to check out. 
I mean, if my marriage is tough, or if I heard some bad news from my family, or if I have a reason to just be angry, I don't want to worship God. But God is saying, no, 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 you don't need to hold on to this. You need to surrender this. We need to be open enough to go to worship and say, God, I surrender you. That's why the scripture talks about lifting hands in worship. So when we go into a song of worship, don't let this be an opportunity just to watch, but press in. Allow God to take what you're struggling with and surrender it to him. Allow yourself to go to God in prayer and say, God, I give you all of this. I surrender all of this to you. And this is what I love about all these qualities, because they complement each other, because we can be confident that we can get through hard times because, well, he gave us the strength to get past our temptations. And we're able to do that because he allowed us to have the knowledge and really the breath of life that comes from his word. And we are hungry for his word because we begin to walk in his goodness. And we walk in his goodness because we are committed to him through faith. Here's the sixth quality after endurance is godliness. Now this is being completely committed to God. I mean that you're no longer doing things your way, but you're doing things God's way. So godliness is walking into the mindset of not my will, but your will. And I love that this quality is here in this place because I feel like when you're growing in this faith ladder, the reason that you can come to this place and be confident to be all in is because of what you've experienced God have you go through. Because godliness came after endurance and endurance after self-control. So he gave us the power through our hard times and he got us through the temptations. And so we're all in because we've seen that, hey, I'm not a perfect person and I don't have the, all the answers and I don't deserve this, but he helped me anyways. And he got me through it anyways. And really, when you're in that place of godliness, you're at a place where, where what Peter responds to in the book of John. In the book of John chapter six, there's a, there's a time where crowds are following Jesus. And Jesus goes on the mountain and he gives a sermon that really kind of freaks people out. And he just says, hey, eat my flesh, drink my blood. My flesh is good food, my blood is good drink. And the scriptures actually say that, that people were like, this is really confusing. And they just started leaving. They're like, I think he's crazy. And then Jesus looks to his disciples and said, are you going to go? And I love Peter's response. It says in John 6, 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Now, the scripture doesn't say that Peter understood what Jesus was saying, and so that's why he stayed. No, he was probably just as confused as everyone else. But he knew that Jesus had the words that gave eternal life. So he, for him, he had no other options. He was all in. This was what he was going to do. And that's what walking in godliness is all about. And then we go from godliness to number seven, brotherly affection. And what this really means is to care for our brothers and sisters in Jesus. And that we should help and encourage each other. Really, where we have brotherly affection is striving for community. Where you're placing yourself with a pocket of people. You're doing a life group. 
You're a part of a survey of the church with another group of people. And I really unpacked this in a series we did called Postcards from Heaven. And the message was called A Postcard from a Friend. You can get on our website, you can get on our app. It's a great message where I really unpack it even more on the benefits and the importance of being in community. But brotherly affection is saying, you know what? I need people to keep me accountable. I need people around me who will help me on my journey because God never wanted us to do our Jesus journey solo. He wanted it to do it with others and to be around others because he knew it would help us as we grow as Jesus people. Here's the last part, love. Now this love is not limited to family members or fellow believers, but it's universal. I mean, it's all people. The New Living Translation actually said to love everyone. And this kind of love, it's unmotivated, meaning it doesn't expect anything in return. Whereas brotherly affection, you'll, you'll have this mutual uh, love for one another. But this kind of love is, I love you even when you don't even like me. That I want to love you even though when you find out I'm a Jesus person, you're going to want to hate me. And it's not a love for God, it's a love for others. It's this kind of driven love that you're like, I want to go out. I want to love on someone, not for my benefit, but they can see how great God is and what God is doing in my life. This love is so powerful because you'll see things in them that they don't see in themselves, that you'll see hope, you'll see purpose, and you'll see all of these things that God wants them to be. So now I know some of you guys are at this point, you might be discouraged because you saw me list these eight qualities and I put them in a certain order and I kept talking about order and you're like, well, I've, I've already, I did it out of order. Or you're saying, I haven't done some of these things, so I might as well give up. But here's what I love about verse eight. Verse eight starts off by saying, the more you grow like this, meaning this isn't something you should get right the first time, that you should already know that when you become a Jesus person, you need to have faith and you need to go to goodness and knowledge and all the way. He's, it's not saying that. It's saying these are all qualities that we should have as Jesus people. These are all qualities that we should strive for and have in our lives because they will help us. So it's continual. So it's got to be something that knowing that we have faith, am I walking in goodness? Am I walking in knowledge? Am I walking in self-control? Because when you commit to a relationship with Jesus, you're doing that by faith. And that faith, we need to have that faith lead us to a walk of goodness. Because we're showing that our faith is alive. That his goodness, his character, he's bringing things out of me that I didn't know. And then people begin to see that. And really it should be motivated to get us to have knowledge of God to grab his word, knowing that he's breathed, breathed in it and he's been inspired by it and all of his promises and truths are in that. And through that knowledge, it should bring us to promise and, and help us with self-control, knowing that I can't do it on my own, but God has shown me that he's gonna help me through these temptations and through these hard times. And then to give us the endurance to go through those hard times. And then when all of this happens, then it should lead us to be committed to godliness, to understand that I am not doing this without him. And that you don't wanna do it alone. So you wanna have brotherly affection and help others to grow in their Jesus journey. And then it should finally lead you to go, I want to go out and share his love. And then it says, when you continue to do these things in verse eight, the more productive and useful you'll be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Meaning when we start to walk out in these qualities, it will forever change us. That we'll really begin to know the fruits and benefits of being a Jesus person. And we'll become a Jesus person unlike we, we ever thought we could be. That we'll be at places in our faith where you're like, this is amazing. I didn't ever think I would talk like this. I never thought I would think like this. I never thought I would go and talk to other people about this. I never thought that because of this commitment I made to grow in him, that it wouldn't just affect my life, but then it began to affect my families and my neighborhoods and my city and beyond. I mean, that's what God wants for us as we continue to become Jesus people. Can I pray with you? Salvation is Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, rose again, and is welcoming him into your life. And if you're here today and you heard me talk about starting your Jesus journey with faith, and you want to make that step, you want to say, you know what, I want to make Jesus my Lord, and I want to make him, meaning I'm giving him control of my life, and I want to make him my savior, meaning I want him to save me from my sins. If that's you, could I have you pray with me? Just, just say this simple prayer and say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Make me new. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you said that prayer for the very first time, I'm so excited because now you are starting your Jesus journey. And we would love to follow up with you. So if you could go to the link below and let us know that you're choosing to follow Jesus, I would love to follow up with you and help you as you're starting to become a Jesus person. Can I pray with you one more time? Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, I am a Jesus person, but I stopped right there. I just thought I needed to grow my faith. And I didn't do any of the other things, or I've done some of the other things, but not all of them. But I want to start doing that. I want to start growing in my Jesus journey. If that's you, can I pray with you? So Father, I thank you so much for people who want to go beyond what they expected the Jesus journey was. And I pray that you would help them, Lord, to be people who walk by faith, who walk into goodness and knowledge and self-control and endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and in love for everyone. And I pray that there would be testimonies that would come out of this where people were saying, I never thought I would be at this place in my Jesus journey. I never thought that it would affect the people in my surrounding the way it did. I never thought that God would do the impossible in my life. So Lord, I pray you help us to go beyond what we expect and help us to grow more and more in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.